0: Hey guys, it's Alex Garnier from the Photo Banter Podcast. Just had a quick message for you before we got started with the Jeff Dunas interview. Jeff Dunas is the founder of the Palm Springs Photo Festival. Um, The Palm Springs Photo Festival is coming up here May 6th through the 11th. It's an annual photography festival that happens in Palm Springs, California. They have different workshops, uh, portfolio reviews, seminars, and there'll be different uh, guest speakers from photographers like Dan Winters, Art Stryber, and Frank Ockenfels, to name a few. So if you're looking for a cool photography event to check out, I would definitely recommend go checking out their website, festival.com There's t- still time to register for the the festival coming up May 6th through the 11th. Um, so definitely go check them out if you have time. It's uh, festival.com And uh, thanks so much, and no further ado, uh, we'll get into the Jeff Dunas interview. Welcome to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast I speak with photographer Jeff Dunas. Much of Jeff's work has been focused around documentary, celebrity portraits, nudes, as well as street photography. Jeff has spent much of his career photographing celebrities such as Cameron Diaz, Angelina Jolie, Morgan Freeman, and B.B. King to name a few. Beyond Jeff's own work, he also founded the Palm Springs Photo Festival, which is an annual photo festival that brings together some of the industry's top professionals, as well as emerging and amateur photographers, where they host portfolio reviews, seminars, and networking events. Jeff is someone who has a true passion for photography and a wealth of knowledge, so it was a real pleasure for me to get a chance to speak with him. And yeah, I hope you guys really enjoy this one, and thanks so much for listening. All right, well, Jeff Dunas, uh, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thanks so much for taking the time to come on here, man.
1: I appreciate it. Thank
0: you. Um, yeah, so I guess just to kind of start off, um, where did you grow up, and like, how did you kind of get into photography initially?
2: Well, it's the same story you probably hear from 90% of the people you interview (laughs) in that I was given a camera or actually stole a camera from my parents at around maybe eight or nine years old and and it kind of just went uphill from there.
0: (laughs) Nice. Do you remember what that camera was? Yeah, I do. It was
2: a it was a, a Graflex twenty two, which I still have, and it's a twin lens reflex that was basically the Graflex Corporation's answer to the Roloflex. Okay. And uh, it was actually a, a gift uh, to my mother from her uncle, who was a serious amateur photographer for her wedding
1: yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: present, and uh, I commandeered that when I when I
0: could. So yeah, that's a pretty kind of that's pretty cool. Starting off shooting like uh, medium format um, first camera, that's pretty cool. Um, everyone, <laughs> that's what i could get my hands on that's good man big negatives can't hate on that uh, it's good stuff right <laughs> um yeah
2: well all i knew how to
0: do was make contact prints so it was very handy Oh, not, <laughs> nice so you kind of started learning about the darkroom and stuff early on
2: i did i had my first darkroom when i was about maybe nine or ten years old if you could call it a darkroom i mean it was a corner of a closet in the garage sort of thing and, and i was able to make contact uh, prints, and I probably wildly surged and under and over developed my negatives, but it was the beginning, you know?
0: Yeah, how did you kind of, did you just kind of teach yourself, or how were you kind of even learning how to uh, print and everything when you first started?
2: Well, you know, then then you always taught yourself. There wasn't any way that a kid could go somewhere and learn how to do this you know it was trial and error and uh you know with a sort of a passion for it and uh, and uh, and uh, uh the fascination of it all was really you know was really what i think drove me and there were magazines back then that yeah. we read you know there was popular photography and there was modern photography and there was a you know us camera things like that so you could sort of like devour those and study uh, but there was really no other way i was going to learn other than trial and error yeah you mean you mean you guys
0: didn't have youtube back then <laughs> Jeez, I knew there was something missing. <laughs> I was joking. Uh, that's awesome. I, do you do you feel like starting out shooting film? I mean, I know I don't know if you work in digital now, but do you feel like starting out like it was kind of working in film? You become like a stronger photographer, or how do you feel about the difference pre- between like learning as like film versus digital nowadays? What's your kind of take on it?
1: Well,
2: you know, my experience tells me that it's a, it's a huge disadvantage to have uh, a sort of emerged into photography directly to digital, and, uh, and I'm not saying that's bad. I mean, it is what it is, and, and I'm sure, uh, you know, people are going to develop all the great skill sets they need, but, but the way that I learned informs the way I work digitally now, and um, I think that's a critical... It's a critical component of of how I how I create pictures, uh, and probably anyone in my generation, because you know we were we were thinking about making negatives if we were going to make a black and white photograph, um, it, which, which was a whole mindset yeah. and understanding tonal values and thinking about uh, you know how you are going to save yourself time in the darkroom by getting the negative right, yeah. and uh, and 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 today people just flip a button and convert their color. Uh, which which has definite disadvantages yeah. uh, to a, to a to a totally original grayscale you know image analog or digital. So I think that the process that we all learned is is super valuable as it applies to the way we make pictures today. And I'm sure most people my age would agree with that.
0: Yeah, and I think like I mean I started shooting off film um, when I started, and I, one thing like, I didn't realize it until almost even recently now. Um, nowadays a lot of people they don't really print their work at all because it's all digital it just goes on a laptop or like an ipad somewhere and like looking back when i started out i feel like when you're printing you're spending so much more time like looking at your work you're holding on to it and it's not so quick and that's one thing i kind of miss about film is this kind of printing as much you know
2: is this there are so many other that
0: too and there are so many other uh things that go along
2: with that you know uh, uh number one uh, the uh, the fact that you know when when we would edit a job we would edit 15 rolls of film you know, with a loop, and that was it. And now when you shoot a job, you shoot, you know, a terabyte, and uh, <laughs> yeah. and you're sitting in front of your Lightroom or whatever you're using for, uh, you know, hours yeah. and hours, and then you have this total paranoia about throwing anything out,
1: mm. uh,
2: you know. And, and so what I brought from the old school to what I do now is I actually do throw it all out. I mean, if it's not right, I don't save it. It's just there's no reason to have it. Yeah. Uh, so I go through, and, uh, but, you know, there's that. There's also... Uh, uh there's other things that 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 we do um shooting photographs and in film that made something special and i think you probably touched on it it's a physical object yep. And uh, and and it took time to select the picture, and you knew you were going to put a lot of work in, and, and, and sweat into making a, a fine print or something that was going to
1: mm. last,
2: something that was going to be permanent, something that was going to be physical. Yeah. And, you know, today I see people, you know, sort of zooming around in Photoshop and, you know, add layers and subtract layers. They try this and try that and all these things and i don't think they have an idea necessarily at the beginning of how they want this to look.
1: Mm.
2: Well, that can work two ways. I mean, two ways is that yeah, there can be some things that happen happy accidents that you can learn from and i agree that that's an important tool. Uh but it's it's good to know when you're shooting the picture to visualize how you want this finished object to be. Yeah. And if there is no object and everybody's looking at it on a different monitor that's calibrated differently, you realize no one's seeing what you see
0: yeah. or what you want them to see. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that makes sense. And even I, I even miss this. is might sound kind of funny, but uh, I lived in Los Angeles um, briefly, like when I first got out of high school and I actually missed going to like the photo labs. I used to go to A&I. Um, I'm sure you know that lab and it's in uh, Los Angeles. Even, of course I do, and, yeah. Yeah, and even this, like, going to the labs was just kind of cool because it's like it's almost like a little community. Like, you go to pick up your film and you're talking with different photographers in person. It was just kind of like, a, I always kind of enjoyed that. You'd actually meet different photographers and learn different things just from going to pick up your film sometimes, you know?
2: Well, I suppose that's, yeah, I suppose that's true.
0: You know, I actually quote,
2: uh, I actually say that the one thing that I think about digital that is kind of amazing is it does save a lot of trips to the lab looking at snips. We we used to spend a lot of time (laughs) (laughs) up and back, oops, re-snip it again, go up and back.
1: in the, yeah. and in
2: new york city i used to love that the labs in new york city were open till midnight one in the morning so you you could go in there at 11 o'clock at night and see six seven eight photographers standing around waiting for
0: snaps to come yeah
2: and uh you know it, it, it was a different cycle wasn't it
0: yeah it's just uh nostalgia i guess um but i guess just to kind of go back a little bit when you kind of first picked up your camera um what was kind of the, some of the first things you were kind of photographing when you first started out
2: well, well, let me just go back one more second. There is something I would like to add, and that is mm. that that doesn't stop people from making prints today. And I really think that if we're making photographs and you have an image that you think is a good one, make a print. Oh yeah. It's, uh, whether it's digital, whether you send it out to a lab, but make a print, have a print because you know at the end of the day when we all go meet our makers, I don't think any of our family or children are going to want to look through a thirty-six terabyte raid. You know? <laughs> yeah. They're really not going to. <laughs> and so if you don't have prints or negatives, I think. Think that's going to be erased and made into music files? So they'll, they'll be just,
0: careful. They'll just go to the cloud, Jeff. It's all in the cloud, <laughs> or whatever. Oh, that's what they need. <laughs> they'll pull the plug on the cloud. That's what they'll do. <laughs> uh, anyway, so in answer,
2: what kind of pictures did I take when I was starting out? Um, you know, I photographed things around me and people I knew and uh, family and and friends. And I I went looking. Uh, you know, I used to really enjoy taking a half a day and just going off with a friend and our cameras and just taking pictures. Uh-huh. Uh, and then and then, going back and being excited and and you know getting the the, the getting the film in the tanks and processing it and uh, you know making sure we didn't have watermarks with uh, you know photo flow and squeegees and the whole thing was like you learn you just learn how it was done, and I thought that was an interesting uh it was an interesting mental. A way to approach something you learned about lab skills and you learned about keeping things clean and you learned about not contaminating things and you, you know you learned about chemistry there was a lot about it mm. that i thought was was interesting because it all added up to a skill set that you could put in the service of making images
0: yeah definitely so was did you ever like take any photography classes yourself or was it always just self-taught for you uh, well, actually, it was all self-taught. Uh, when I got to high
2: school, it was uh, the, the first year that that high school had ever offered a photo class uh... prior to that it had just been graphic arts was the subject that they taught and so they did have a photo class taught by the graphic arts professor and i contradicted the poor man endlessly and he finally threw me out of the class
1: oh, yes. <laughs> and
2: uh, <laughs> but i have to say to his credit that he did decide that it was okay for me to go into his graphic arts class and i learned a lot from him in that class so it, it worked out well that's cool um, um... yes but i i you know i had been doing it for you know, seven, eight years already, so I was sort of a a junior outlier already in in the class where people didn't really understand much about photography. So it wasn't probably a good idea.
0: Yeah, it sounded like you already were really passionate about it and kind of already had like a focus and kind of a direction you were going a little bit at that point. Um, Well,
2: I I was always the kid that had a camera around his neck the whole time in school shooting pictures of the girls in my classes and, you know, of everything. And so it was, you know, uh, um, it was kind of... The wrong thing for me to be in that class, because I don't think he knew too much about photography.
0: And and I don't know where I got the impression that I should contradict the poor man, but I didn't make his life easy. Yeah. Was there like, um, like a point where you kind of started to take your photography more seriously and kind of consider it being like a career for you? Or did kind of this kind of happen over time? Or how did that kind of work out?
2: Well, now early on, early on, 14, 13, 14 years old, I realized that I, I started working on a portfolio. And I mean, that sounds crazy now, but it was because I needed to have a purpose, you know? Yeah. Like, why, why am I doing this? What, what's the end game here? Why am I doing this? Why am I always taking pictures and spending my life, you know, developing pictures and printing pictures? And then I realized, you know, light bulb goes off. I can make a living at this, you know? Yeah. And it, it just seemed like the end game. And so it's, uh, it's always been my end game. That has not changed, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I was showing my portfolio to, uh, to magazine editors when I was 16 and, uh, uh, and, and, and getting, you know, trying to get assignments. And, of course, I wasn't that successful at it, but I did uh, shoot a lot of things on spec, really, mm. and uh, submit them. So they kept seeing the kid coming in the door with new projects
0: yeah. <laughs> and
2: eventually gave way to me getting some work.
0: That's awesome. Who were kind of some of the first clients you started working with?
2: Actually the first magazines I worked for were uh, were actually what we called fan magazines back in those days which was uh, uh, celebrity magazines and I worked for a magazine called Photoplay and there was another one called Movie Mirror and I worked for them because I went to I, I was fortunate to have gone to school with the, a lot of the children of well-known people and I wasn't shy and I just somehow uh, inquired whether I might be able to shoot a home layout with these people and they su- to my surprise <laughs> agreed. Wow. And so you know at 17, 16, 17 I'd show up with some rented uh, strobe equipment and uh, photograph them in their homes and, uh, and sell the pictures and um, you know it sort of started me on this path.
0: Oh wow so you kind of like created the assignments for yourself and then showed it to the mag, pitched it to the magazine after, is that kind of how it worked?
2: No, I would pitch it to the magazine first okay. and get the assignment. Yeah, that that way I could come in the door with an assignment under my arm and say, "I've got this assignment from PhotoPlay, and they'd like me to photograph, uh, you know, uh, six pages of you at home. Maybe would that be possible?" And they, I think, they looked at me and said, "What the hell? i This kid is a trip. You know, uh, why not?" And then when I showed up with uh, with gear and did it, you know, I think they they took me kind of seriously, which which was good. It was it was nice.
0: That's awesome. And you feel like that's kind of been an important thing to your career, is this kind of um, kind of, pitching ideas to different magazines and kind of creating those opportunities for yourself? Do you think that's kind of an important thing for photographers to do, either if they're just starting out or even if they're like veterans um, shooting?
2: Well, you have to get the ball rolling some way.
0: Hmm. And, uh, and you know, I mean, when you really think about it, what
2: else is there? How else are you going to to get the ball rolling if you're not pitching – Hmm. ideas uh or you know you you i realized early on that you had to come in with something you just couldn't walk in the door and say i've got this nice portfolio why don't you give me a job and <laughs> yeah. particularly not if you were you know 16 or 17 or 18 years old hmm. and yet if you came in with a solid idea and you'd already made a few photographs along those lines and you had something
0: to give them i mean there was some chance that they might take you seriously yeah And it's like it seems like magazines, they're constantly looking for new ideas and um, stuff to put in their magazine. So if if it seems like a photographer has a good idea, they'll they'll be open to that. If the photography is good, you never never know where it's going to go. You know, he's kind of put it out there and it definitely seems like it can be a positive thing um, for kind of building a career. Um, from talking to well
2: you you want to you want to know who you want to work for, you know i mean whether you 're starting out or whether you 're doing this for twenty years or whether uh you know you 've had a great career and you want to change it and go into another direction, I mean you have to sort of figure out who 's my market hmm. uh, you know w- w- what is my what is my point of view and how am I going to execute this work in a way that 's going to be something re- interesting and 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 have a visual have visual interest you know that might correspond to this market I want to reach, and then you start from there, it kind of it just unfolds naturally that way.
0: Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I've been doing this for. I graduated college like ten years ago. Um, I went to school for photography, and it's been ten years. And you don't realize it's like a photography career is like so long. Like I've been doing this ten years. I started assisting, and now I've been shooting my own stuff. And it's like uh, I feel like I still just started. Uh, I've been like ten years. You know, it's just like a. It's a. It's a marathon. Um, kind of this, the photography business, I think.
2: Well, when you know what I'll tell you something else when young people say to me, you know, uh they they, they want to know why why they're not getting work or why they don't have their career at or how do you get your career to a certain level? And I always tell them this is a 10 to 15 year project to even get to where you're getting to the door. Yeah. You to go through because uh obviously you need to have the technical skills and uh but more than that, there's so many new tools now and great tools and I think the greatest tools in history of the medium, of course, but if you don't if you don't know what you want to say and most importantly have a point of view and a way that you want to say it you're just going to it's not like being a minnow in a massive pond you know you're you're just not going to make much noise mm. if you really have something of your own you have a way of thinking about work and a way of executing the work that says Alex, you know, then then people start to recognize it, and then you become an ingredient in the salad that these people have to create every month or every week or every year. Yeah, uh, you know, that's what a publication is really to keep a publication vital and interesting and move it along. You you have to bring in some new talent and have some new energy in it and have you know have have some new
0: ingredients. And if you're if you're along the right path, then you can become one of those ingredients. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I guess, like, uh, I know you said you started off shooting in magazines. Did you, was that always kind of your goal to work in magazines or did you even have like, I know looking at your website, you've shot everything, like you do a lot of street photography, you do the nudes, your celebrity stuff, documentary. Um, Did you kind of have, a, initially have like a goal in mind for what you wanted to do or what was kind of your vision, I guess, starting out?
2: Well, starting out, I don't, I don't, I mean, you know, starting out, obviously you don't, you don't have the perception, uh you don't have the perspective of, uh, of, of all the time and energy and education in your life and your living, actually, to to bring to the to the fore. So, yeah. you know, when you're starting out, you just want to get a job and you just want to <laughs> keep shooting more stuff and, oh, yeah. and and make a living and you know and and say I'm a photographer. You know, that's what it was. And uh, you know, it, it, this is not the case when you get ten, fifteen, twenty years into this. At that point, you you need to be able to say to yourself. I, need, I want to seat at the table. I want to be one of the people whose work is memorable and is important or is, 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 is identifiable. Mm. And I want to have something to say, and I want to say it my way. And I learned in life as I went along that, the, that you know, the more I tried to shoot pictures that I thought were the sort of thing they were looking for, the worse things got, uh, the, which is, you know, counterintuitive. But the, the fact of it is the more you start focusing on what you want, you'll find that everybody starts to respond in a very positive way. And uh, you start to get to the point where your personal work can be your professional work, or it's one. And that's, that's a beautiful place to be, because then everything that you're doing actually ends up being material for some future uh, exhibition, or a future book, or a future anything. You know, you have, a, you have a sort of like a body of work at that point where things all come together.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think like I've, I've had this conversation with some other photographers recently. It's like if you try to like chase a trend, like by the time you get there, it's going to be gone. And then beyond that, it's like, what do you get into photography for in the first place? You know, you you should just shoot it the way you want to shoot it. And it's like whatever is going to happen is going to happen. Like uh, chasing a trend seems like you're really not going to get anywhere in the, in the long run of uh, photography, I guess. Um, well, you have to realize, Alex, that if
2: if you're chasing a trend, probably all the people
1: yeah. that
2: that we call influencers they're already aware of the trend, and then they see you come in the door and they see that you're already doing derivative work, it doesn't doesn't work, doesn't help you. Yeah. Um, you know, you need to come in the door with something they haven't seen before, and you have to assume that they've they're on top of trends and they know what's going on. Yeah. I mean, the 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 idea of, of visual trends. I mean, it it, it is. Uh, there are some photographers that really got started with something like that I should say I'm not going to say who and which there's a number of them and yet they very quickly needed to uh needed to m- mature what they were doing you mm-hmm. know sort sort of take it to the next level move on and and, and keep it all building to, towards something uh you know and then then I think you get people who are in a position to hire you to to want to work with you because they want to encourage they want to see what your next thing's going to be and how you're going to do it knowing that you know what you do is is something about you and i guess that's something that is, is sort of an intangible thing to explain but you know how is my picture going to be about me but in the end of the day the way you approach something is based on your life experience and what you love and what you respond to and everyone's different
0: and everybody has their own style if you just let it emerge you know you have to kind
2: of really know yourself it helps
0: yeah, definitely. Um, takes time, but I definitely agree. And I guess, like, were there any um, photographers' work that you kind of um, admired uh, growing up or this in general, I guess?
2: Well, you have to understand that I wasn't. My my heroes were. They weren't sports figures. They weren't actors. They weren't actresses. And they really weren't even musicians to some degree. They were photographers. And and so every opportunity that I got to open a magazine or a book and look at someone's work, it was like looking at someone's work who who had set the bar somewhere. Somehow they'd gotten there. You know, the, I was looking at their pictures, and that's what I wanted. I wanted to have my work in a way, a published or presented where people could see. It and 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 you know there could be an interaction and that's something that uh, um, so basically it, to answer your question I had all of, they were all heroes I yeah. mean it's really hard for me to say that they weren't heroes they were all heroes yeah. I was young and 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 interested in anybody that had a visual signature so whether I even liked it or not the visual signature was what impressed me mm-hmm. you know uh, I saw photographers work that I didn't think was I didn't care so much for you know, on a personal level but recognized that they had they had coned out an approach, and I found that to be very fascinating. you know that drew drew me in, and I was interested to see what else they were going to do uh, and early on started collecting books of photography you know uh, I have a Pretty serious book collection, and one of the reasons is uh, I learned early on that the cheapest book you can buy is a new one. <laughs> if you, <laughs> you, you know, you that's the cheapest it's going to get. Yeah. If the book ever is, uh, you know, ever is going to be an important book uh, later, it'll cost you more. Yeah. You might as well buy it and keep it fresh and new and nice. But I like it. Um, <laughs> I like it. Get, yeah, get out there, and keep buying yeah. books. <laughs> it's good. Well, book, books are the books are to me the uh, the permanent record of something, and and hopefully it also is an expression of the person's point of view on layout and design and everything else. Uh, you know, of course, there's books that are published where they just use your pictures and you have nothing to say. But a monograph is what I collect. I collect monographs, and monographs are generally books where you have more input. It's more your expression, mm. and so it, rep- it reflects you and your taste and your experience and uh, and maybe other books you love and other and so on. So, what's interesting to me is having a book libraries reference and uh, you know where other people love going to movies I'd go and just sit on the floor of photo bookstores and just you know devour these things when I was young Mm -hmm. and uh, and you know save my money and buy them
0: yeah no I agree I I definitely collect as many as I can Um, and you know one thing I wanted to ask you is uh, like I said before looking at your work you've done so many different like genres of photography with your street stuff your celebrity stuff Um, was it ever hard like balancing those different like genres of photography being that like I mean being a commercial photographer it seems like a lot of times the people hiring you they want to put you in a box um were you ever worried about that or you just kind of shoot what you wanted and kind of put it out there
2: well, I mean, this is—it's—it's it's sort of uh, this. You know, this is coming from someone that's done this for a long time when they say something like this. But I've often understood—I—I I, I early on understood that you know, when you're inside the box, you can't see the box that you're in. You can't see the box. The only way to see the box is be outside the box, and thinking outside the box is—is is sort of the goal in—in um, in terms of being someone who wants to express themselves in a visual way like photography or film and and so i always felt like um, that each looking each of the different approaches that i've taken to photographing different kinds of things it's like looking through a different window it's like learning another language mm-hmm. and you know for, for for those of us out there that or you that that speak more than one language you know what i'm talking about there's mm-hmm. a, it's it's a different mindset you suddenly opening a different door and the world looks different that way mm-hmm. Um, so, street photography as a genre is something that i 've been in love with since I first picked up the camera so love to do that you know um, it 's it, it it's an enforced kind of solitude but it's also a time when you're when you're you're very very aware if you're tuned in if you're dialed in and you're walking around looking for work what's amazing is that there's work everywhere to make yeah. and you know because because dialing in is it's what it's about it's like it's like tuning in and 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 when you tune in and you can suddenly see these visual uh... compositions all around you and you're instantly informed how to do it how to approach it, how to shoot it what the lighting should look like da blah, da. Blah, blah. And I think, so that's the same thing, whether that's making a portrait of a celebrity or anybody else. It's the same kind of thing. It's like, okay, I'm going to pick up my medium format camera and uh, someone's coming to my studio and I'm looking at them physically and I'm trying to decide how I want to light them, how I want to photograph them, you know, how I'm going to paint them with light, what the shadows are going to look like and, and you know, what tones I'm going to introduce to it and so on, what I'm trying to say. Uh, it's it's not at all the same thing I would do walking around with a Leica. It's something different, and uh, you know, uh, I have I have different kinds of ways that I approach each of these different things that I do. So, you know, documentary photography. I, I rather there's kind of two forms to that. There's a much more staid methodology that I think probably comes from the 19th century. Could be coming from Walker Evans. So that yeah. that's the sort of photography. Then you also have the kind of street picture uh aesthetic that you could uh, you know employ and incorporate into what you do which is maybe you know, a derivative of something to do with Robert Frank, as an example. But, but, you know, so when you pick up a camera like that, you're going out. I, I always tell people, go out with one lens. The last thing you want to do if you're really a photographer and you want to do street work is go out with a bag of lenses. Because, because you'll never get the picture. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, one time, Ralph Gibson said something fascinating to me. He said one day he decided to do a project where he wanted to see what the world looked like one meter from his lens. And, and I thought, genius, because <laughs> that's, it, that's the kind of thing I've been doing my whole life yeah. without being able to put it in those kind of words, you know. I'm going to go out. I want to see what the world looks like with a 28 today. And I'm going to print this on Trix or whatever it is that I was going to do. And it's going to be printed on, you know, uh, it's going to be on an Agfa paper, uh, Brovura, whatever it is. And I'm going to use uh, this developer. It's going to get this tone, da-da-da.
1: Mm.
2: You know, then you've, what you've done then is you've given yourself, you've armed yourself with a way to see that day. And you go out, and you'll find things seem to pop out that can be seen that way, you know. And that's what I meant about being tuned in. Uh, Being, you know, uh, it's not the same thing as being a sports guy and knowing where the action's about to happen. It's more like you go out there, dialed in with a given set of parameters, an idea. And suddenly you start to see how that can apply to the way things look. And uh, and that's what it is. So whether it's celebrities or portraits or documentary or nudes or whatever, uh, you know, the nudes have, have been my longest running body of work. And I think that what's most fascinating about that, even when I was young and first starting, was it's just about light. Mm. and uh, And what a perfect subject. And so, you know, uh, and, they, and a difficult subject, and one that takes a while to master. And uh, you know, so each one of those things is different. Uh, if I'm going to go make some nudes, I'm going to really start looking at lighting and and think about how I want to light something and and see how a body might look in in a different kind of light than I've ever used before and you know uh so it's it's important to have multiple tracks as a photographer because why would you limit yourself you yeah. know how, when someone's just a portrait photographer and all they ever do every day is have people come and sit in front of them yeah. i think you lose you lose not only the connection to the person but you lose the connection to portraiture in general, mm. and and what does that mean? Where do
1: you where do you fit in
2: at that point? Mm. Um, you know, how many times have you put your camera on a tripod or stood in front of somebody and had your basic light source rigged up? And there they are. You know, it's not very exciting. Yeah, it's it's really exciting to put them in light you've never used before, and it's really exciting to try to make the picture about their physicality or uh, you know something. And and that's what I uh, that's what I do. So I I really have always tried to work in different and different ways of seeing because i think that's what's so interesting to wake up in the morning and find out what i'm gonna do that day
0: Yeah, and you could probably. I mean, the fun thing about photography is is trying new things, and I'm sure a lot of times you could pull inspiration from your street photography and apply it to maybe your portraits. Just a way walk around the street, you can see a way light lands somewhere, and you kind of make a visual note of that and apply it to like a different shoot. I would imagine because um, there's like well, some, it does.
2: Yeah. You, it's cross fertilization. It's yeah. what it is. It's it's cross fertilization, and and it it really does. Uh, you know, imagine uh, you want to make a portrait. One day you have a medium format camera, and you're looking at something where you want absolutely uh, incredible amount of detail, and uh, and the next day you might want to put that person. Uh, use a, a 35 millimeter format camera and, and build some grain into it and add some, you know, some some roughness and some, you know, some grit to it and then find a different way. You're going to have a different picture.
1: Yeah.
2: It's all part of the same thing. It's all part of being a photographer.
0: I mean, you know, I mean, to me,
2: photography is is looking for my way to see things,
0: mm. you know. Yeah, definitely. And one thing I was going to ask you because I know you um you spent a lot of time um shooting celebrities and stuff for magazines. Um what do you think the key is to like having a good uh portrait uh shoot? Is there like a way you approach each assignment? Is everything different? Do you do you have a way you kind of prepare or what do you think the key is to walk away with like a good portrait session?
2: Well, I think my earliest inspiration for portraiture might have come from Irving Penn. Obviously, you hear that out oh, yeah. with every interview you do as he's well. A, but you know what made Irving, what made him the go to guy to study, though, was he was the first guy that I remember being aware of that actually understood that he was placing people in an image and it was going to be a permanent image and that was going to be a, that picture was going to be something that would always be there and and it wasn't just about whatever the reason was they were making that picture you know the way he put people in in the context of his work he 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 built pictures that you know were pictures you'd never really forget of the of a person in other words the portrait itself was amazing and it wasn't that important who it was even though the amazing thing was who it was so if you take that as it approach to to portrait photography you know just putting doing a headshot of somebody um, well it can be creatively challenging and satisfying it's much more interesting to me to try to create a uh... something that's going to happen within the confines of your rectangle or your square and 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 you know that's what that's what Irving did he understood that you know he understood that what he was doing was all completely contained within that frame and that there had to be tension in that frame and that it had to be perfect and elegant in his way. Uh, not always for other people, not necessarily either, but yep. that's what it was. You know, he knew when he was going to make a picture, he was going to really freeze somebody in, in a in a way that, that where everything
0: came together. And so it's much more than just taking a picture of somebody. Yeah, definitely. And I guess like looking back at all the magazine assignments you've done over your career, um, is there any like that stick out in your mind as, like, particularly uh, memorable for you, I guess, either for, like, the experience or just maybe the photos that you were, like, particularly proud of?
2: Well, you know, I mean, that's a hard question to ask. Yeah, because, I know. It's a, uh, lot, of, it's a I, lot of assignments. <laughs> well, it, that, it is a lot of assignments. But, but you know, the, the one thing about me is I've never, I don't think I've ever really done... Too many pictures alike, uh, and I mean, unless I'm working in a very specific series, like the State of the Blues or something, where there's a reason why mm. I'm building an image to to, to 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 you know be part of a, an ongoing series where there's continuity and stuff. I always I always felt, you know, I I was going to try something different every time, yeah. and uh, and that's the joy for me in making those magazine stories or those, those assignments. And, and so uh, it, it was stretching myself. And yeah. so I liked, I liked all of the work that I've done. I've always liked doing the work, you know? Yeah. So I don't know that I have a specific... I mean, you could say, oh, so-and-so was a great shooting or this one or that one.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: but the truth of the matter is, and this is an old cliche, is that I think the one that I'm most excited about is my next job, <laughs> not, not that, the one that, I've already
0: that's done. That's a good attitude to have.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, it's what keeps me going. It's what keeps it fun. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I would caution anybody to, to find another job if they didn't think this was fun anymore.
0: Mm. Yeah. I mean, do you feel like you're still progressing within your own photography? Like, do you kind of still have like goals and things you want to improve on, or is it you're always just kind of continually building on it or how do you kind of look at your kind of progression?
2: Well, I never thought that there was going to be an end to it, or yeah. an, an end game, or a place when I would finally go. Okay, I've
1: arrived. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, that's yeah. not it. Yeah. Uh,
2: the joy for me is the process. Mm-hmm. You know, so the, the the whole point is to keep the process going, and yeah. uh, and there is no end to it, and there was really no beginning to it. It's just uh, it you know what informed the way I saw as a kid. I mean, some you know one of the first portraits I ever made was a portrait of my, my uncle who was sitting in a, uh, he was sitting in a kind of a brown like a 1956 Hudson car that was nice. probably 15 years old at that time or something yeah. and he had he had shades on and he was sitting in the in the car and I was outside and I framed it I don't know what possessed me to do this at the time, but I chose to line it up completely against this door. And there's this perfect, like, rectangle v- image, vertical, of the entire door of this old car, and my, my uncle with these cool black sunglasses on, looking out from the window. And today, I'd have been happy to sign my name to that picture. I mean, it's a good <laughs> portrait, you know? Yeah. And I have no idea whether my, my young self was reaching into the future to figure out that this was the way to do this, because I have no idea why I did it like that. Um, that's the interesting thing you know you look back at earlier work that I did in my 20s or whatever and and I'm looking at compositions and lighting and I remember being there I remember dragging you know 10 sets of balkar strobes out and lighting this thing and going where did I get that I mean how did I know (laughs) to do that I still don't know and I think part of it is because it's all an ongoing process of experimentation and you you see it you know when it's right when Mm -hmm. you're there so you 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 know I used to bring like huge amounts of gear around and I would just have whatever I wanted at my disposal to kind of on the spot be inspired and decide then i never I never spent too much time worrying the night before what I was going to do mm. and I think if you are the person that does that it's it's only worthwhile if that's if you recognize that that's a point of departure. Yeah. You know, what, what, what I've learned, it's it's like, let the force be with you, you know, just close your eyes and pilot your spacecraft. I understood that once I got there, I would know what to do. Yeah. And how do you explain that to somebody?
0: Yeah, I hear you. Just keep on shooting. I'm going to keep, I'm telling I'm six feet under, I'm, I'm going to keep shooting photos, you know, because it's like one of those things, like, it, it never ends. Like you said, you just got to, you're always just looking for that next photo that's like, like a great photo that you're proud of, or at least I am, because, um, you know, like some days you go out, you try to take a good photo, and, you know, you come back with nothing, but then some days you come back with a, a good photo, you know, but it's just the main thing, is just kind of keep shooting, I think. Well, you asked me what
2: was, how how it was for me at this and versus before, and I can yeah. tell you that before, I would shoot a lot of work and, and, and spend a lot of time trying to find which ones were the best ones and how they went together, yeah. and as you get Further along, you shoot less and you get a much higher percentage of pictures you can use yeah. that, that fit fit the criteria that work and so there 's a great satisfaction in that there 's yeah. something that really does drive you forward when when you know that after uh, you know x number of years. Uh, you've you've nailed something in a way that you know you can always bring back Mm -hmm. a valid photograph, one that that you can be happy with Uh, of course you you know you you have moments I should have done this, and it would have been great to try that Mm -hmm. and there's always things going on sometimes you have 20 people around you when you're shooting a picture like that or there's a lot of money involved or whatever it is so Mm -hmm. you know you have to kind of like keep your eye on the ball but nonetheless let yourself flow Yeah. Let it flow. Yeah. Let, let everything just kind of flow out of you, and trust that it's going to be good, or that you're going to have your your uh, handle on it. You know, mm. um, this is where you get something intuitive that speaks about you, and that comes across in the work. And it's the that's the the little tiny genesis of what a style might be.
1: Mm. Is
2: to let it come out, let it flow forth. You yeah. know, um, I've had some experiences where I've helped you know people on my staff, younger photographers, who just didn't understand. Well, you know how to tune it up. You know how to tune it in a bit better, right? They're all over the place. They're inspired by a million different things. They keep trying stuff, but none of it actually gels. And then I said to them, "You know what? This is what you do. You you go out and you get fifteen or twenty magazines, and you can and and you get books and you photocopy pictures out of the books and just show me fifty of your favorite pictures or pictures that you respond to that you really like,
1: yeah.
2: that you really like pictures that you just walking through a magazine and." Bang, wow, I really like that one. Photocopy it. Boom, boom, boom. Mm -hmm. And let's look at it on my studio floor together. And you know, you can identify doing that exactly what it is that moves you.
1: Yeah.
2: That's visually stimulating to you and what you dig and what you respect and admire, whatever. And then you can also see, amongst the other work that you've done, what to just leave away. Just let it fall away. Don't, you know what I mean? Those aren't directions to pursue anymore.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. It's really interesting. I had a guy who, who worked for me for years at the festival who. Who came back? Uh, he really wanted to do documentary work, and he just couldn't find a style, and he had no idea what he wanted to do. And he came back uh, from Europe or from India with a whole bunch of like medium format portraits of people and stuff that were okay, you know. And then, but when I asked him to show me the fifty pictures that he really liked. They were all horizontal, grainy, black-and-white pictures. <laughs> yeah. and, he, he, and he had shown me all these, these color-like, medium-format pictures. And I just said, well, so why did you shoot these that way? And he said, you know, I have no idea. I just thought that was the way to do it. <laughs> I said, you know, so now that you know what you like, so start shooting some horizontals with, with black-and-white go- and, white and <laughs> some grain go- and see got. if you feel it, <laughs> yeah. man, you know. Yeah. yeah, try to feel it. And, yeah. uh, and that really changed the guy's point of view.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh not not to say that he went out literally doing horizontal grainy pictures but he understood. Yeah. the the that his method methodology was wrong. Mm. Anyway, yeah. uh, that's uh, what I do at the festival. We try to inspire people. You know, it's all about inspiration. And if I can share some of this uh, energy and some of this, uh, this uh,
0: you know, the, the the passion for this, um,
2: you know, then then
0: we have a good program.
2: That's what it's about.
0: Yeah, I, I was going to ask you about that with the um, Palm Springs Photo Festival, which I think is coming up in, what, May May 5th or May 6th is coming this year? Correct. It's May 6th through the 11th this yeah. year. Um, how did that kind of come about? Uh, what kind of... Prompted you to start that, and kind of how's it kind of evolved since you started it.
2: Well, it you know what it is. Um, for many years, uh, you know, first of all, I lived in Europe for twenty years, and um, and during that time, um, I, I became acquainted with. Uh, what's what's known as the oral festival of photography and it, it's quite different than than what we do the oral festival was 90% about exhibitions in these in this beautiful old world environment in these old buildings and old uh, you know facilities that you roman places i mean you know where are you going to find that in america but fantastic exhibitions and really a lot about sharing and and showing your work to people and talking and looking at their work and it was that kind of interchange that i felt we didn't have here um, and uh, yeah, I talked about it for a long time. And this idea came to me in the early '90s, really. And I just—I uh, guess the catalyst was really talking about it. I—I um, I, I w- I used to be a fan of dropping into the Palm Springs called Karakia, which is a Greek sort of Moroccan Greek boutique hotel that's absolutely beautiful. And there's 30 suites in it, and they're each these beautiful white plaster buildings, and they have you know. Really beautiful shapes and things of uh, furniture and stuff inside, whatever. And I thought, you know, uh, what a cool thing it would be to just fill this hotel with photographers and just hang out together and talk about work and talk about what we're doing and what we're passionate about. And so we did it. The catalyst in, in 2006, really, was the owner of that hotel who said, you know, I'm tired of hearing about this. I'm going to give you the hotel for a week. Knock yourself out. <laughs> and, uh, and, and he said, you know, and he said, but, you know, it, do it as a midweek event. I can't give you the weekends, and that's the only parameter I'm going to give you, and I'll cook food for you guys, and we'll just do it. And, I, and that, you know, once somebody lays down the gauntlet, man, you've got to roll. Oh,
1: yeah.
2: and, you know, and so I said, okay, well, now I have a venue. I'm going to do it. So I put the word out, and I had a partner at the time who, uh, whose name was Hossein Farmani, who's the gentleman that started the Lucy Awards. Wow. And he and I, uh, we kind of did it. I, I kind of relied on his uh, staff of people and his, you know, structure that he had, uh, and and I was the creative director of it, and we did it. And uh, and it was so meaningful, very successful. There was such a great interchange and energy, and people came. Um, you know, we put the word out to, like, Hossein's own list of people and whatever, and we had about 80 or 85 people show up. And they all, all wrote me letters. They said, this has been an amazing experience. I can't tell you how much this meant to me. And then, you know, Hossein said, well, <laughs> it, it was a really good time, but it's, it's, not in, I don't want to, it's not for me, you know, but be my guest, you know. And so from 2007 on, I, I've done it uh, that way. And I had this vision for it. I knew that it would be great to have that core, that essence of us all getting together and sharing work. And then I just knew that uh, if I'm going to bring those people with that caliber of work together, that they could, in fact, uh, you know, it could be exponentially more inspiring uh, for for more people than just amongst ourselves, you know. Uh, And so on some level, it just grew from there. And and we added uh, by 2008, it was pretty much... The really amazing workshops with with really rock star people uh, that really had a signature style that had a point of view, and and um, you know I relied on my many years of working in this industry in all areas of it to, to kind of guide me and uh, and it grew that way. Mm. It's it's been an amazing it's been an amazing thing to witness the people that that I turn as I walk through that festival every year and I look around at the people that are there it's it's an embarrassment of riches it's absolutely amazing
0: yeah yeah it looks, uh, it looks yeah it looks pretty amazing this looking at the website you guys do all, it looks like you guys offer all different types of things like uh, you guys got your portfolio reviews and there's workshops and all different types of speakers and everything and yeah it looks pretty amazing because I think uh, I think with being a photographer at times it can be a really isolating um career a lot of times you're just working by yourself you're not really interacting with a lot of photographers I mean I guess it depends where you are but um it it seems pretty smart to kind of start in something like something like that because you get to yeah interact with different photographers and who share the same passion and you can definitely learn a lot just from talking to people
2: you know what? If you think about it, if, if, if I was, uh, let's say I was an insurance salesman, I don't know if I'd go to an insurance conference and share all my stories of my insurance <laughs> writing policies. Maybe I wouldn't. I don't know. But when you're talking about photographers that are all I- individual people, individualists, I would say photographers are, or they wouldn't have ever come to this career, if you're looking for steady work and a, and, and a totally assured future, this is not it. You no. know? So no. So that in itself defines a group of us as people that are, you know, Basically, guys that are running off the seat of their pants, or women, you know, based on their talent and their skill, they're willing to bet their career on it, and that's a group of people that you want to know. You know, that's an interesting group of people. So that in and of itself, you know, the the mixture of them, and then if you, and then it's like I said, then like a salad. You know, I start with these, you know, say sixteen rock star photographers, but then I also add to it a hundred influencers. To kind of bring the whole thing up to the level that I, I, I wanted it to be, meaning that, you know, it's you're in this informal environment, and yet you can socialize and interact with photo editors at all the top magazines and, and meet art directors and creative directors from agencies, you know, advertising agencies. You can meet book publishers and gallery owners and, uh, you know, music, uh, museum curators and people like this, and it's in a context where... They're not wearing suits and ties, and you're not sitting in their office, and they don't have the phones ringing. And, you know, it's not like that. It's a a different vibe. They're wearing shorts and sandals, (laughs) and it's
0: 85 degrees. Exactly. It's very conducive. (laughs) Yeah, Palm Springs doesn't hurt. I've never been there, but I've seen photos of it. It looks nice. Well, I don't. I don't think the. I wouldn't have had the
2: success that we've had with the festival had I done this at a hotel in Milwaukee in the winter. You know, I don't. That would. I don't think that would have worked. It's. It. It is part of it is karaoke as a core. This little, you know, our workshop program. We outgrew karaoke after two or three years, but we kept yeah. the workshop program there. Mm. We kept all the the workshop photographers to stay there and photograph around there and stuff because it's an inspiring place number one but it's also visually it's 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 a it's a great palette to work from and uh and then we we took over the Hyatt we took over uh, you know uh, other another couple of hotels and then we have a partnership with the museum there and it grew you know uh, sort of in an organic way uh you know but when you come to our review program it's a speed dating job fair it's oh, yeah. not it's not like uh, any other event that existed before it and that's partially because in my own world, my vision for myself has always been fine art and, and commerce. It's all one thing. It's shooting pictures. It's photography.
1: Yeah, definitely. And
2: we're, we're all in both of these areas. I mean, you need to work both sides of that equation. If you just want to do commerce and you're a gun for hire, yep. hopefully you're bringing a lot of fine art aesthetic of your own, <laughs> uh, you know, into that picture, because that doesn't sound like a lot of fun. And yet, of course, it's fun, you know. Yeah, yep. But the But the other side of the coin, it's, We've noticed as one of the trends that I think we, we we adopted early on was we understood that people from the fine art world were interested in what commercial photographers were doing yeah. because the commercial photographers have chops. You yeah. know, we're good at what we do. We know, we know how to express ourselves. You know, we can deliver. So apply that. To your own personal work, and then then suddenly call that fine art photography, mm-hmm. and yet it's going to be of a certain stature and level. It's not just going to be a random effort, is it? Yeah. Uh, and then the other the other side of that is is people in the commercial world, uh... in magazines and advertising and other places, they're looking at what people are doing in fine art. Uh, it depends which one's driving the bus at the at the present, but you know, a festival that totally sees it all as one. Was bound, I think, to appeal to photographers yeah. um, who were really passionate
0: and really, uh, you know, deep in it. I would say, and that's kind of the
2: those are our constituents.
0: Yeah, definitely, because like, I mean, um, I mean, I shoot a lot of editor- editorial myself, and you know, like photo edit- photo editors, they might hire you to photograph some guy in a suit in an office, but. They're not going to hire you that from your portfolio. They want to see someone who has passion, who has, like, a vision, because um, they want to work. It seems like they, they want to work with people that – because the photo editors, they love photography too. So, I mean, they might be assigning you something that's not, like, particularly, like, in your portfolio, but they want to see a vision, I think, uh, from, I guess, I don't know. This from target. Well, they have
2: to. They have to have a sense of it when they they have when they think of Alex guy. They got to see in their head a, a sort yep. of a, the outlines of an image,
1: mm-hmm.
2: right? I mean, okay, I'm going to send Alex out to go shoot this basketball guy,
1: yep. and he's
2: going to. I know what I'm going to get. He's going to look like this. That's what he loves to do. Here it is. Yep. And you know, if they don't have any idea, then you won't get a call at all. And if they do have that idea. I think your job is not to deliver exactly what they're thinking. It's to bring them something that they quite a little unexpected, yet built on the same idea so that Mm. they see that it can work, but they're going, oh, this is even more than I anticipated. Yeah, exactly. You know, And, and, and so we're about, we're trying to reignite passion for people that have been doing this a long time and feel that they've reached a point where they're not creatively fulfilled as much. And we're also looking at how can we, how can we really rev up younger people? Yep. and go out there and make it happen, you know? Be yep. the ones that we're all buying books about in 10 years.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: the photography festival that we do is like a leg up. I can't describe it any other way. It's a summit. If you're there, then you're in the mix, man. Yep. Something good's going to come of it. It's, it's like if you don't throw the pebble in the water, there's no ripples.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and I've always believed that that's what it is. Put yourself out there. Put yourself in the place where stuff's happening, and the chances are very good that something is going to happen.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, you know?
2: Right, it's you're not going to walk away empty-handed. You're going to come away with some inspiration. You're going to come away with some new ideas. You're going to know some new things that you didn't know. You're going to have a uh, you're going to have some more curiosity in some areas. You're going to want to pursue things, and it's it's not always what you think you learned or came away with that you actually did learn or come away with. You find that out as time goes on. You go, you know what? That's (laughs) what you know, and that's really important.
0: Nah, that's, that's awesome. You got, you got me pumped over here, Jeff. Uh, it sounds pretty cool. Um, but I guess uh, I I got a few more questions I wanted to talk to you about. I could go three hours with you, everything you've done, but I w- definitely won't be able to scratch the surface on everything. But um, one project I wanted to ask you about um, that you're really well known for is the State of the Blues project you did. Um, how did that mm-hmm. kind of come about and uh, uh, how, how long did you kind of shoot that project for?
2: Well, I uh, well, let's. Uh, you should tell what it is. I mean, the State of the Blues is a project that I worked on for five solid years, which yeah. was basically trying to get my arms around the history of blues as they were then living. Those 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 men and women that had contributed in a serious way to the blues music that led to rock and roll, yeah. and uh, and and you know was in fact the original R and B music. You yeah. know, rhythm and blues from the nineteen forties and fifties. So, uh, I guess you could you know how did that come about well the seed the seed uh was sown when i met wolfman jack as a kid uh i had the great great fortune to uh first of all i was a big fan of his he was a famous disc jockey in in my you know early years and i listened to him on the radio all the time and he fascinated me no end and i had this opportunity to go meet him and i did and became really very close with him and his family, and uh, he turned me out of the blues, because I really thought Mick Jagger and Keith Richards wrote blues, I didn't understand that they were doing, you know, I I, I never really read the fine print, and figured out who McKinley Morganfield was, or who, you know, who's Howard Wolfe, or any of this stuff, to me, I just thought these young English guys were genius, which they were, but nonetheless, they brought it back home, but I was, once I realized that the music that I really loved that came out of the sixties was blues influence. Then I just started looking at blues and listening to a lot of blues and Wolf and Jack was this man that had this massive you know encyclopedic memory and experience with blues music and musicians and turned me onto that moved me you know down the road a bit
1: yeah. um,
2: and then years later, I read I think there was a a report on the radio that basically said, "Muddy waters had died and I realized then and there, it just hit me like a bolt of lightning, and I realized, this is going to come to an end. Mm. These guys won't be here forever. These women won't be alive. And so I then went and pitched the idea to a lot of magazines that I worked for, and those that I didn't. And I said, I really want to do a a real serious series of photographs of, of, of these seminal blues artists, you know, while there's time. And I remember I I went to Rolling Stone with it and the answer was well we you know Albert Watson did something recently photographing uh, Jolly Hooker so we're not going to do blues for a while. Yeah. And and I thought you know I can't wait for this to come around again yeah, and you know for them to forget the Albert Watson story and let me do this. So I just started doing it. Mm. Uh and the catalyst again it's always a catalyst and the catalyst to really get me going was uh I took my camera down to hear uh, uh um a very important blues musician who, who had played a lot with Holland Wolfe at the time. Okay. And I photographed him, and I really loved the pictures. Um, I, I mean, I liked what I saw in those pictures. It was Hubert Sumlin, who, who was a most amazing guitarist. And okay. He was the guy behind Holland Wolf. and So um, I went to, and then I noticed that they were opening the House of Blues in Los Angeles, and it was going to be their third venue. Yeah. Um, I, I unbeknownst to me, I didn't know they'd already done two others. And, and I had done some album cover work with uh, Isaac Hayes. And I happened to be invited through Isaac to go to this uh, pre-opening party at the House of Blues. And uh, I was seated at a table. And the entire ceiling was covered with these plaster reliefs of these famous blues people. And uh, so there it was quite an interesting ceiling. And these were done by a really interesting sculpture. Uh, a sculptor who did done these. And I looked straight up, and there's my picture of Isaac Hayes from an album that I'd done called Groovathon. That's pretty cool. <laughs> and I couldn't believe that. I said, well, this is destiny. So I ca- I called Isaac, and I go, you've got to get me in here to photograph all these people that are going to come through here. Yeah. And Isaac put me in touch with someone named Nigel Shanley who was running that, and, uh, and I showed him my work. Uh, you know, I brought him a lot of portrait work, and... And he said, "Well, what do you want to do?" I said, "Well, I want you to give me a studio I can work at here in the building. <laughs> Why not?" <laughs> and he said, "Well, I don't. I don't have a studio, but you know, you can come and set up whenever you want and make the pictures because I, I hear what you want to do and it makes sense." So, I basically did eighty-eight different setups where I left my studio with a you know a truck or a car full of gear and an assistant and went either to House of Blues or to blues festivals or to people's houses or whatever oh,
1: wow. clubs
2: and juke joints and dives all over the country. And in five years I'd made a hundred and five portraits that uh that I showed to Aperture. And um they said, yes, well, let's do the book. We want to do this book. But to me, it didn't have enough yet, and I realized that you know, just to do a book of all these portraits, that wasn't enough. Even though the prints were really specially done, I made them gelatin silver prints myself, toned and yeah. bleached and toned prints. They were really quite unique and beautiful to look at. It, at least the way I saw I didn't want it to express that because um, I didn't want to do it in color. You know, I didn't want it to be real. I wanted them to be iconic and 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 black and white, and then the, then just try to create a a tonal strategy that I could bring out with chemistry that would reflect the tones of that various tones of all the different tones of african-american skin that's so beautiful and how to light it. It's just a beautiful, you know, subject for me. And then, um, uh, so I, my wife and I rented a, basically a trailer, you know, and took off to Mississippi for five weeks and we did a lot of work there (laughs) and a lot of documentary work running all the way from New Orleans clear to Nashville and on up into Chicago Mm -hmm. photographing, uh, people in the environments where the blues was born, you know, because I felt like that's the story to tell is, you know, what is the blues music in the first place and what was its point of origin? Where, where, how did it evolve, you know, from hollers and uh, they call them, you know, hollers working in the fields and, and, you know, and, and working on the chain gangs and these kind of things contributed and then gospel and everything else. Into this music form, and uh, so I wanted to show where where it came from, and you get a really clear idea in my book there, which is State of the Blues, about you know what where where it came out of, why mm-hmm. people had the blues in the first place, and then I decided I needed to interview twenty of the really most respected ones then living that i'd photographed, so I did interviews with all of them, and then I wrote the text and and then you know so an aperture said, Well, oh, hang on a minute, now there's more I mean we were going <laughs> to do the book, and I go, yeah, i know, but now you have to do the book that has the interviews, the documentary work." And uh, they said, uh, yeah, wait a minute, when did, what, you know, well, okay, I mean, they sort of looked at it, and then they gave the job of designing that book to a a young woman, a really, you know, a woman that knew her own mind, I think she was in her mid-twenties at the time, Uh, it was the first job she ever got at Aperture uh, working there to design a book. Named Michelle Dunn, who's now Michelle Dunn Marsh, who's been a part of our festival uh, since its inception and a dear wow. friend. And I had the, uh, the the pleasure of working with her. She was very headstrong and wanted it her way, and I had my own ideas. And it somehow got worked out to where we, we were both pretty happy with the result. And and that book came out in 1998. And uh, the museum show that I originally toured with Aperture has gone to 14 museums in the United States. Wow. Been Shown abroad and so on, um, and um, you know the it 's a huge show actually it 's three thousand linear feet of work it's uh, big all of them twenty twenty four prints and and i 'm very proud of that, so you know but this is something that illustrates the way I roll, you know like if i can 't get the job to do it, I yep. go
0: do it. Yeah, that's exactly. it's get out there and doing it. Just do it. And like, you never know where it's going to go. And like you said, you just keep building on it. Because I'm sure once you started photographing some of those musicians, you kind of probably showed them some of the other people you already photographed, and you probably just kept kind of building on it. That's um, exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly how it rolls. You yeah. know,
2: I mean, I, sh- I got to, um, my first person that I ever photographed for that project was Charlie Musselwhite. Mm. And, um, you know, explaining to him what I wanted to do and show him portraits of Native Americans was kind of a stretch, but he liked the
1: work. Yeah.
2: And I did the portrait, and then I showed that to Joe Cocker next, and showed those two portraits to uh, you know whomever, and the Junior Wells, and yeah. Buddy Guy, and everybody else. And so I did the first like sixteen or eighteen portraits at House of Blues, yep. and then started traveling, you know, wherever there was blues music, and I knew people who I felt were seminal artists were going to be there, and went there, mm. and and uh, you know these these they were people that were. Um, they were active in the in between the two wars, uh, born between the two wars, I should say, and active in the in the 40s and 50s. But that's when the true music came about and yeah.
1: and was recorded
2: because I think it existed somewhat before, but they didn't have a lot of recordings of it. So, um, and that's what it was. And I learned so much about that that it led me to people that I would have never, no one would have ever.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, said,
2: hey, yeah, uh, you ought to go photograph, uh, you know, so and so or so and so in rural Mississippi because you know there are great blues people that never left the South and are still there somewhere. Oh yeah, or were then in, in the nineties. You know, I don't think they're there now, but you know that was so. You you combine the knowledge and the passion and the, and the joy of doing it with a with a with a set of of the way you want to shoot it and the point of view you want to use to express it. And then you go
0: do it. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I definitely urge anybody listening to go check it out on uh, your website, what is it, dunnest.com. Amazing series because you photographed everyone, like you said, Buddy Guy, John Lee Hooker bb king edit james the list goes on it's pretty wild um yeah i was curious um i'm always just interested how people kind of approach their photo uh like photo sessions um when you were photographing all these musicians were they like long sessions or were you kind of shooting a few roles or was each one kind of different how did that kind of play out
2: well, I'll give you, I'll give you, a, you know, as you probably have heard on other people's podcasts, when you really are a celebrity photographer, which I, I never considered myself. I did a lot of work uh-huh. with celebrities with a lot of people. But I always, you know, as, I, as you said before, I mean, I do a lot of different things. And one of the things that, that I did know uh, about it was uh, when, when, when you have an idea like this, you know, to take it to fruition, you have to have an end goal, and I had this book idea in mind. I knew I wanted to do this as a book, and um, and one thing did lead me to the other. I was fortunate that at the end of the day, I, I even have a, we did a limited edition of 100 prints signed by B.B. B. King. Wow. That was, that is, I mean, how rare is that? And yeah. these are 20 by 24, no, these are 16 by 20 tone gel and silver prints. I made 100 one One-off, one-offs, you know. That this is not a machine. This is doing them one at a time, and you have to print ten to get every one that's right when you use toners like I was using. Yeah. It was volatile chemistry, and and um, you know we we took them to his office in Manhattan and of uh, his lawyer's office, and Phoebe showed up and he took out a gigantic felt marker and was about to sign his name right across his face, which is what he did with eight <laughs> by ten glossies every night. <laughs> And we reached across and grabbed this marker out of his hand, <laughs> and we asked him to put gloves on. He looked at us like we had lost our minds. We were crazy. You want me to sign in the little corner here?
0: <laughs> sign in the margin, man. Do not sign your name across your face. You can't make this stuff up. That's hilarious. <laughs> that's, that's, a, yeah, that's a good story. <laughs> and, and, and and
2: And then, you know, the other part of that was I actually reached out to John Lee Hooker through his management who initially said, no way, you're not going to photograph John Lee Hooker, no, you know, without going through us, we're not going to do it, and whatever. And then I basically sandbagged him in my own way. I knew he was going to be at a, at a concert, and I got him to sit for me at, uh, uh, later at the House of Blues. And, and uh, you know, that was a place where I had some control over the environment there that I was in. And people working, I mean, people at the House of Blues were helping me. And yeah. I was able to get him to sit for me, and then he really liked the pictures. Um, and I asked him to write a preface for me. And by that time, the management wanted him in the book and said, yeah, I definitely, you know, what, what do we need to do except John doesn't write. And I went, well, what? Do you, what? And he said, he doesn't write, man. He oh, can't
1: write. Shit.
2: <laughs> he knows how to sign his name. That's it. But okay. even that is like it's drawing a picture of a bird to him. It's just he's writing his name. But you know, he can't decompose that and write something else. And I said, okay, so we'll tape it. And, uh, and that's what we did. And he, so he essentially wrote the preface by dictating it. Oh, wow. And I was very, very, very honored to have a preface from John Lee Hooker in a limited edition so. set of prints to be sold, uh, you know, uh, uh, for B.B. <laughs> King. It was, it was really rather amazing. But, you know, if you can dream it, you can make it happen,
0: Alex. That's yeah, the deal. Yeah, definitely. I like it, Jeff. That's awesome. Yeah,
2: if you can picture it in your head, then, you, then it can happen.
0: Hell you know yeah. it, it,
2: that's that's the truth of it,
0: and uh,
2: and the crust of it all. Yeah. And you started to say, I'm, "In answer to your question, I think I should go back to that. It's like a seesaw. Hmm. You start with a few pictures, and everybody's telling you why would I do this for you, and then by the end of the day, they're calling you to come to your studio because yeah. now yep. they know. You know, Jesus Christ, the list of people you've got, I want in.
1: Oh, you yeah. know, <laughs>
2: and that's. But any project, I've done lots of books, and you know the books that you go out and make photographs over a number of years and you and you find out how these pictures weave together and sometimes it tells you that you need to go out and do more sometimes you have it whatever but you know you have to be able to see it and how it all comes together and and know that that's going to be something that you you can have confidence that you're going to get it done and then find a way to get it done
0: yeah definitely and i guess just to kind of wrap up um being like everything you've done over your career Um, I guess, what do you think the key to your success has been and what would you tell, like, um, I guess, younger photographers um, what are the kind of main things they should focus on, you think? Um, What advice would you give them?
2: Well, number one, I would say throw away all the bullshit you hear when when people tell you how great the good old days were. That's the first thing. Just chuck that out because that doesn't matter. And, uh, you know, uh, and, and, and know that there is a way. If you're good and you're passionate and you're inspired there you there is a way and you just you know young people are going to adapt to a different scenario than i did and that's fine you know there's new ways to do it uh, everybody's always going to tell you that there's no money in this or that that's not working anymore but you know what that means something another door's open there's another way to go just yeah. stay with it mm. um you c- you can't really you're in the box man when you're starting out you can't see what the box looks like yep. you can't see where it's going where are you headed how's it all going to play out yep. and who cares yeah, exactly. the point is if you know if if there's if you're excited by what you're doing yep. every day you're going to wake up and go take pictures mm-hmm. then just be happy that you're finding some way to keep it going and just keep doing it
0: oh, you yeah. know
2: i mean uh, people don't find success overnight in this game
0: nope.
2: uh, you know you just don't i mean uh, <laughs> you just don't
0: yeah, yeah. Um, Definitely. you know
2: it, it, you don't know how to you don't know how to speak the language yet mm-hmm. you kind of know the words you know it's like a kid that learns to write he can write a few sentences but it doesn't mean he speaks well yeah. or it doesn't mean he can he's not literate yet and and to be literate as a photographer man it's ten, fifteen years before you even get up to the first base.
1: I'm oh, yeah. telling
2: you, it's not to discourage anybody, but if you don't have that mindset, and you think you got it, man, you got some cool Photoshop <laughs> moves, and you got your cool Canon camera, and it's done, yeah, you're gonna go, you're gonna fall flat in your face because because so do a lot of other people have all that stuff going too. What they don't necessarily have at the stage that you're at is is the vision of how they want to how they how to say something Mm. in a photograph and you know and so do study the great photographers you know do study Irving Penn of course and do study these guys Robert Frank and these enigmatic photographers but also look at every image you like everywhere and try to figure out what is it I like about this image you know this is something that you then start putting into your subliminal thinking and then it comes out at the moment when you're ready to make pictures
0: yeah no definitely that's good advice well I just want to thank you, Jeff, so much for taking the time to come on here. Like, we could have gone for like three more hours, but uh, I don't want to thank take you. up too much of your time. That's uh, all right, Alex uh, I'm talking with you. Yeah, definitely. But I guess for people listening, um, where's the best place to check out your work, and if they wanted to check out the Palm Springs Photo Festival, where should they go?
2: Well, the Palm Springs Photo Festival is simply palmspringsphotofestival.com. Yeah. Um and uh, we have an amazing pre- we have an amazing show. Coming up this year, there's seven weeks to go or six weeks or whatever, about the time you get this on uh, there's time come, come down, and be part of it that's the thing it's uh, you know step into that step into that atmosphere, and it's going to be rewarding um, and then you know my personal site is and I have to say it, my personal site is really not a site designed to get work it's not a zippy, cool website like people have it's, it's i mean I'm not using all kinds of wonderful you know I, I, I should say it's not one of those websites where you have to spend five minutes trying to figure out how to get into the site, yeah. or you know, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. the
2: navigation is mysterious. <laughs> you don't have it's you don't really have background simple. music.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: there's no yeah, there's none of that. There's no 3D sliders going right. on and stuff. It's it's it's, uh, it's called the Jeff. It's called the duna's Archive, and yeah. what it really is is the, the the only expression of my work that I have at this point online uh, by design um, because. Well, for a lot of reasons, but it, it's just basically an archive. It's called My Print Archive. Yep. And you can look at that site, it's and you'll see that it arranged amongst my different bodies of work, and you can click in there and take a look at some of that work uh, and, uh, and, uh, you know, and get an idea of the, of the work that I have uh, available as prints, and that's kind
0: of what it is. Um, Perfect. And then uh, come down and say hi to the Palm Springs Photo Festival, man. Come to Palm Springs. Perfect. I'll link it on there, and people can go check it out. And uh, I guess we can just cut it there, Jeff. Okay. So there you have it. That was the Jeff Dunas interview. I want to thank Jeff so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. It was a real pleasure getting to speak with him about all his work and everything that he's done in the industry over the years. I know I learned a lot. So definitely thanks so much to Jeff. And I would say um, definitely go check out the Palm Springs Photo Festival if you can. It's coming up May 6th through the 11th in Palm Springs, California. They have all different types of seminars, portfolio views, and guest speakers like Dan Winters, Frank Ackenfels, as well as Art Stryber. Um, definitely worthwhile checking that out if you can make it. Um, you can go check them out at the Palm Springs Photo Festival.com. And going forward, just want to let you know I'll be having a weekly podcasts every Monday on iTunes, SoundCloud, as well as on my website at alexgagnephoto.com and on my Instagram at alexgagnephoto. And uh, thanks so much for listening and take care.